Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. I think it's a lot more fun in life when you get a chance to hang out with other people that are championing their own life and going for it. We've launched a Facebook group called Donnie Success Champions Group. Man, come hang out with us. Um, every day we are having uplifting, badass conversations that are just you know, helping people go further in their life. So if you want to, go to Facebook, come hang out, Donnie Success Champions Group. We'll be glad to see you. All right, guys, this is going to be a fun episode. Looking forward to this one. I'm bringing on my new buddy, Tony Watley, and he's got a pretty cool story. He's into some really, really cool things, so I'm looking forward to that. But I'm Donnie Bovee, and this is Donnie Success Champions. Tony, welcome to the show, brother, man. Please tell us your story. Donnie, thank you for having me on the show, and I can't wait to really share some value to your listeners. And you, I've listened to a couple of your episodes, and you've got some great storytellers out there. So, man, hopefully I can compete with them and get you some more uh, listeners there. But my background, I'm, I'm a native Houstonian. That's what we call people from Houston, Texas. And you know, we were just discussing this before the show, but I was actually was born on a Marine base. And I understand you were in the Marines. You know, yeah, man. Service. And my dad was a gunny. So I, I had a very strict childhood, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Especially as a gunny during the Vietnam era, dude. <laughs> yeah. You had a rough childhood growing up, brother. Yeah. yeah my dad didn't take any crap from me. And my mom, <laughs> uh, Japanese, she was also very strict on everything and education. To give you an idea, I did not miss one day of school from kindergarten through graduation. <laughs> not one day. So if I had the flu or, or chicken pox or all that other crap that kids go through, my mom'd be like, You're not dead. Get up and go to school. <laughs> now now for me, dude, I had two freshman years, you know, because one, I just didn't feel like showing up to school. So, you know, so the the mere fact that you guaranteed not by choice because there was days. Oh hell no. Up, <laughs> you know, oh, hell no. I, I, I had the most strict parents ever and you know, that didn't keep me from doing stupid crap and getting right. in trouble. I mean, we all do that, especially in our teenage years and, you know, things that we regret that we don't talk about anymore. But <laughs> it's uh, so that I've always been an entrepreneur, even as a kid, because we didn't have money. You know, my dad was here after the military. He got into the, the chemical refineries here in Houston and he worked his way up through that. And my mom, she was a school cafeteria lady. So she just served food to children her entire career. So we didn't have money. and. I knew that if I wanted to have the lifestyle that I desired, I needed to figure out how to make that. And they were always encouraging with that regard. They're like, hey, we don't have it, so go figure out how to make it yourself. And so even at age 12, I was pushing the lawnmower around the neighborhood and knocking on doors. And I got a few residual, you know, from, uh, I guess, recurring revenue from that as a kid. So I had, you know, six or seven yards every every weekend. I could go mow and get, make 10 bucks a yard. So it was good money. And that's how I bought my skateboards and BMX bikes and things like that. So, you know, for your listeners, I'm, I'm 46 to give you an idea. So I grew up in the eighties basically. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, it's the BMX a era. BMX skateboarding era. You know, I was really good at that stuff, but you know, all my friends were getting that stuff from their parents. I just ended up having to figure out how to do it myself. And 
I've always been trying to be creative at looking how to monetize some of the skills I can teach myself. And I just read a lot of books and just basically tried to fortify myself with as many different talents and skills that I can monetize. And that's how I kind of went through most of my, my teens and my twenties while working, I always created these little, you know, side, side jobs, so to speak, or had second jobs because I always felt that any extra time I had was wasted if I was just out there doing stupid crap. And I decided, you know what, if I wanted to get that next level, I need to put in that extra work and just hustle. And I started my first company at age 28 and that grew into one of the largest online communities for automotive performance on the internet. And just to give your listeners an idea, we had over a hundred thousand visitors per day on that website. And, you know, we ended up selling that website in 2007 to a larger corporation for a multiple seven figure exit plan. And this was all something I just did on my side job. So that's kind of the basis of, you know, I put myself through engineering school and I worked in the oil industry for 25 years, got into you know, mid-level management, working at the majors. And so I've always had a very successful corporate career, but it was just never enough. And that's why I always created side businesses. And I still own several businesses on the side because it's something that if you're driven and if you're willing to put yourself out there and put that work in, you're going to see the rewards. That's all it is. I think uh, I mean, we'll get into the keys of consistency and things like that later on, but and really, it's just, what do you want? Create those goals, work backwards, and just keep pushing. And that's how you get to where you are. Yeah, no, I love this. You know, what's, what's interesting is I, I've, I'm learning, I should say, that there's, there's two types of people in the world. There's entrepreneurs, and then there's everybody else. Um, and the reason I say that is, even though I own my own business, I still consider myself a business owner, and not an entrepreneur. And the, and, the, and the biggest difference being is entrepreneurs more like you guys, where y'all are crazy. You're always creating something new. You're always building something more. Um, and it's, it's not typically building it for some sort of passion. It's building it to sell it, building it to, to, to do something with it. Um, to where, you know, a guy like me being a business owner, I mean, this is it. This is, I want this, right? I'm not looking to an exit strategy or those type of things. So I really, really enjoy talking to you guys because, well, you're batshit crazy. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you got to be, you know, in, in that game. So growing up in, in that kind of military, you know, family and lifestyle, um, what a cool experience, especially as a kid being, you know, in Okinawa and, and growing up in that, in that different culture, you know, when you got to Houston and you're going through that, that journey of, I got the disciplined parents, we're not making a whole lot of money. I'm pushing lawnmowers. I mean, what life lessons do you think you took from that, that are driving you now on your journey? Man, I'll, first I want to touch back on that crazy statement because I think you understated that a little bit. I'll give you guys an idea. My, my uh, childhood idol back then was Evil Knievel. <laughs> this guy jumped the Grand Canyon in his motorbike. So give you an idea, like that was my childhood idol. So I wanted to be a stuntman for a long time. And I've got a, a crap load of scars from head to toe to prove that. So I got into the BMX and the freestyle and I was riding in half pipes and broke my wrist and you know, played football. So I've always been kind of like this, this, uh, risk taker, violent stunt kind of kid. And, you know, they even led into my adult when I, when I was able to afford like the high end cars, I started competing in, in, in drag racing and, in uh, standing mile events and half mile events, you know, doing 200 miles per hour plus in these cars that I've built, you know, like over a thousand horsepower type cars. 
So I've always been addicted to that adrenaline fix. That, that's yeah. So I definitely understated the crazy. Just, just yeah. You know, crazy. Thank, thank you for uh, you know solidifying that. So there you go. There you go. So give you an idea. Like entrepreneurs, we love to take risks, but there are as you as we get more experienced in business, we start to understand calculated risks a lot better. But when it comes to that break-even point where most people teeter-totter on the fence and they don't want to step into the pool, like entrepreneurs like jump in. Like, hey, we already weighed the risk. Like there's no like in between. There's a yes or no question here. So I would say that, you know, that that characteristic that I do have, I do see that a lot of commonalities between other entrepreneurs is willing just to take action and then figure it out. A lot of times people don't, they think they need to get things perfect before they take action. But I, I, I prefer just to jump in and figure out as I go. That's it. And it kind of works out. That's how we, you find that most people have actually done that. But yeah, no, it's the truth. And, and, you know, it's fun hanging out with you guys. Cause I, you know, I, in my world, I'm a very fast decision maker. I have no problem pulling the trigger on anything. And I'm usually that guy in the room. That's usually the loudest guy sitting there unless I'm sitting next to an entrepreneur. <laughs> you know and it's and it's because is is nobody tell ever tells an entrepreneur what to do because they've already made a decision before you even suggest it um and that's why i enjoy being around those, those type of people you you know you sold your first company when you were 28 or just a few years after that 34 34 so you did it for i'm six, a marine six, so, yeah good yeah, I, owned it, I owned it six years and we sold it yeah you know, what was that experience like knowing you built something that somebody else wanted to buy? We were actually, and I had one business partner in Chicago, so that, that shows you I'm in Houston, he's in Chicago. We can actually start businesses nowadays online that you don't have to have business or partners in your zip code. You have meetings online or on the phone back then. But to give you an idea, we we had been approached maybe half a dozen times before we actually sold it. And the offers were just ridiculously stupid and like, we're not, that's like a waste of our time. So we would just entertain the offers just to kind of see what people would throw out there. But here we are, we have this business and it's making almost $400,000 a year profit, you know, for both of us. And we get these offers, like, Hey, we're interested in buying your sites. So we're like, okay, you know, uh, tell us, tell us what your offer is. And they go, I'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> So it showed us that there's a lot of people out there that did not understand the revenue that these, these big websites could bring in from ad revenue. And, you know, it's like, it kind of blew my mind. So those are always just fun and entertaining. And then we got this one, you know, came across that eventually led to the sale that, Hey, uh, we're interested in your website. And it was a company this time, not an individual. And so, you know, John and I, we both had successful careers. This, uh, we had been doing it for six years, pretty hard. And, you know, we, decided, you know, we, we would cash out, kind of go do different things and start new businesses or whatever. And, and so we came up with this number and we said, you know, you know, if they, if they pay us like 800,000 a piece, we'll, we'll take it. So we basically just left it in their court. So, Hey, what was your offer? And then they came in at, you know, like, like over that, they came in at a million a piece and we're like, wow. So we went back and we said, okay, this might be serious. Now. <laughs> yeah, so we, we contacted a lawyer that specialized in those mergers and acquisitions and went through that entire process. It was about a seven month excruciating process to go through that. But I learned a lot of value in that because only 1% of companies ever get sold. So to actually find people that experience in that, it's actually uh, it's good. They, they can share that kind of knowledge, but you know, we, we basically talked to the lawyer and he's like, Hey, their first offer is always their lowest offer, like counter, you know, like let's, let's do this. And so we decided, you know, we wanted to be millionaires after taxes and that's what we asked for. And they said, okay. 
<laughs> so, realize you didn't ask for enough, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But you know, it's like, okay, I guess we're not going to be greedy. That's way that's way more than we originally you know anticipated, and here we are. So let's do this process. And you know, luckily, we we ran that company like a legit business. So we had all of our books going back from the day one, and we just kept all the taxes and everything organized. So it made it very easy for them to go through and understand after they you know installed Google Pixels and understand the traffic was legit and they saw the revenue and the recurring revenue because it was all advertisers. We had about 150 advertisers on this account and we were also springing off different uh, avenues of business, which I ended up make, you know, actually keeping because I was creating web pages and, and doing some online marketing for these different companies that were buying ads on our website. So they didn't want any of that. They just wanted the ad revenue and the traffic. So, you know, basically, that's how it all worked out, you know, and, and, and selling a, the company was a, it was a great thing to go through. I really enjoyed that. It was, it was, it was learning a lot and speaking in big numbers. And now that I would be very comfortable helping other people, which I do now to, to build their companies, to be able to sell those. Yeah. You know, what I love about that is oftentimes when I talk to people that are trying to sell their businesses, um, they're completely overvaluing, you know, what their company is worth. Um, and because it, it's like me, you know, it's their baby, right? It's their, their, their jewel. I love the fact that you guys, you know, took your own stab at it, put a realistic number to it. And then they came in over the top of that. Um, because it's just not something that typically happens because uh, people usually have way too much fluff and too much emotion in that decision. You know? yeah. yeah, they've got intrinsic value versus market value. Right, and that's, right. that's just like real estate or a car. You know, everybody thinks their house is worth more than the market is and the market determines the price. But you know, I can give you a comment on that. A lot of people, you know, there's a reason that only 1% of companies actually sell. And it's not because 99% of the companies are not for sale. It just means that 99% of the companies nobody wants. <laughs> right. that's, the hard, that's the hard truth. And you got a lot of listeners that are probably out there, like you said, that have this intrinsic value that, you know, it's emotional attachment to their company and they're looking at their revenue numbers. Let's say you got a seven figure revenue company. Well, you know what? Your company doesn't automatically become a five times multiple of that because right. of, of that revenue number. It has nothing to do with that. So what you start to learn is that you need a unique brand you need some kind of a unique niche in the market or you need to have some kind of exclusive rights on the, some of the products that you're selling because if the barrier to entry to your business is too low, then I can open up the exact same business literally next door to you and like take all your business because that's just too easy because you haven't built that brand. You haven't built that manufacturing. You haven't built the products or the exclusivity deals or the recurring revenue. So there's a lot of different factors that go into you know building a business. And if you're, more like a self-employed person versus a, a company builder, you're really going to kill your value because if your business is based on around your talents or your unique skills, like it's really worthless because you can't sell yourself. 100%. So most companies out there that people call themselves entrepreneurs are based on the talents or the unique abilities of that owner. And I hate to tell you, your company's worth zero in that case. You need yeah, to start absolutely. building processes. You need to start building systems that can train other people to do exactly what you do. That thing, because a business buyer is not interested in what you've done. They're interested in what you can do. They're looking at your future. Yeah. And I, and I love that, you know, as I'm on my journey of, you know, I'm only a little about a year and a half into running my own business now. And uh, you know, this is everything, this is everything that I do. And, you know, I failed completely miserably out the gate, you know, setting this all up because I didn't understand vision and building processes. And, you know, I just thought, Hey, I'm Donnie. Everybody loves Donnie. You know, let's, you know, just, 
that's what's for sale. And, you know, I'm a good dude, but, but nobody wants to buy just Donnie. So even from a, a, a business development, you know, perspective for the company, you know, I had to revamp and reposition and redo everything. So there's actually things for people to, to get in and, and want to be a part of, you know, and, the, but that was a, a tough lesson to learn, you know, from a guy who spent my entire career in sales, you know, I sold services and I sold widgets and air and, you know, you know, selling yourself and your own company is a whole different learning gamut. You know, so you also worked a very long career in, you know, 25 years in the engineering space. Why did that happen? Because that's a really interesting thing to be, you know, I mean, I know these were kind of side hustles for you, but was, was that a knowledge grab or was that a, you know, society told you you should be an engineer? <laughs> Well, yeah, here's a funny thing is that, you know, cause I, again, I'm a, I'm a very big car fanatic. So I actually got the mechanical engineering degree because my dream job would have been to move to Detroit, work for the big three and design, you know, Corvettes and Camaros and Dodge Vipers and things like that. I dreamed about as a child, but here's a reality. When, when you grow up in Houston and you go to college in Houston, we're the oil capital of the world essentially. Mm -hmm. And I started to interview at these big corporations and suppliers up there in Detroit, and they literally pay half what oil companies pay. And I said, you know, I can actually stay home and I can actually buy the cars that I want to <laughs> work on versus living in Detroit, which sucks. I hate to tell you, it's, I've been there many times. It sucks. Let's be honest. And take half the pay to live there. And it's like, no, thanks. I'll just stay here and make a lot more money. And that's so going through that entire career, like, as you know, I'm very competitive. And I said, you know what? I can do this. I start seeing people doing CEO and things like that. It's like, I can do that. Like, they're not smarter than me. They just learned the process. They've learned how to navigate this corporate shenanigans and ladder. And, and I'm very good at that as well. So, you know, I was one of the earliest project managers in a multi-billion dollar company at age 28. Actually, the year I started my company, I got promoted to project manager and I was managing multi-million dollar projects even in my 20s. So at the end of my career, I was managing between 200 to $500 million projects internationally. So big, big projects. And I'm just very creative and understand how to navigate and, and learn how to do that corporate ladder bull crap. I mean, it really is. But when I started to get in my 40s, I started looking at it at that high income level. And the next level up or, you know, the C-class, the C-suite positions. And I realized like there's very few of those seats left. So I'm basically going to be making the same 250 a year forever until you make you know an executive like role where they start to make three to 400 base plus a bunch of millions in benefits. But it's just the reality struck is like I do not want to sit here for the next 20 years on the same you know high income level that most people never even get to when they retire at those companies. And it just it's like that's not that's not serving my competitive nature. I've kind of hit that glass ceiling, and I don't want to you know, commit my last 20 years working, doing these things. So I said, I need to bet on myself more and just go in all in on the companies. Cause I have a lot more knowledge than I did back in my twenties and I have a lot more influence and, you know, personal brand and things that I've built over the last 20 years online. So I needed to capitalize on that thing and just do what I needed to do. And, you know, the last three years I've not had a salary job and I just really been betting on myself. So that's, that's the way I feel about it now. It's like I, I learned a lot of valuable knowledge in that corporate entity, like processes and systems and, you know, risk mitigation and all these different things and those big projects. And those actually apply to business ownership now. 
Yeah, you know what I love about this is, uh, as more as I continue on my journey, that 40-year mark is is like this weird, you know, I don't know what happens to people, but you know, I was exactly 40 years old when I jumped out and started my own business. And I think, I don't know if something shifts mentally inside of people or, or whatnot, but we realized that we probably, you know, my light bulb moment was, holy shit, I've made a lot of people a lot of money over the years, you know, now it's my turn. Um, so that's, that's very interesting, you know, so you're three years into running your own business and being, you know, responsible. And I love the phrase betting on yourself because not many people do that. And I, I think people need to do one to two things. They either need to shut up or get in the game, right? Yeah. Quit, quit telling everybody you're a badass and you're, you're going to be doing great things. Shut the hell up and get to work or shut the hell up and don't you know, say anything, you know, man, we all, we all know people like that. <laughs> I bet you could probably list 10 of your friends, like, yes. well, off your hand, like they're always at dinner with you or having beers with you. And they're just talking about all this stuff they want to do. And you're like, dude, I've known you like 10 years. Like when the hell are you going to do it? Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. You know, so I love this. So, so what are your companies really into now? I mean, what has you been doing for the last three years? So I've always, I've had a uh, online retail company for high-end forged custom-made wheels for cars. So I started that after I sold it my website because while I owned that website, I was actually a dealer and selling wheels. So I had a side hustle within a side hustle, <laughs> <laughs> a multi-layer side hustler. And, and so I was like, you know, I enjoy doing that because I still like to be in the automotive industry and I still get invited to all these, you know, corporate events and things like that because it's, it's to maintain relevance. Right. But, you know, that side business only takes about an hour of my day each day to really respond to quotes, put in a few more orders and it's all drop shipped. So it's cash positive. People are ordering, paying you up front. You're ordering the product. They usually take four to six weeks to build something like that. And then the manufacturer ships directly to the customer. So I never have to put my hands on any product. I just have the product knowledge. I know what fits their car. I know what's going to look good on their car. And that's just from years of practice and referral business that I've had. But, you know, even that company, I generate about $800,000 in revenue a year. So, you know, think about that as a side with, with no, no real overhead. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. I could do it right here at this, the same desk that you and I are talking at. And, you know, I could do it anywhere in the world. Like we travel the world. I look at my phone. I got a few orders come in. I can make a few thousand dollars a day just looking at, you know, online businesses. So, once you've built that established brand and you have the right reputation, that's the kind of residual income that you can create. Now, most people think they can just create a website, all this money is going to start coming in and that's not going to happen because you have to invest time in building that brand and, and your reputation over years before you can reach that. But here's the thing, most people know that, but they're not willing to put in the work and I am. I'm willing to just hustle for basically no pay on a new business for the first couple of years to establish my foothold in that industry because I know that the long-term effects, you know, that business can always be there because I'm always going to have at least an hour a day to deal with that. And at some point I may be able to sell it to somebody, let them become their hour a day or they can be an employee doing that for me and I don't have to deal with it at all. So yeah, you know, so businesses are just, yeah, just, just, uh, I create businesses to try to minimize the time involvement and that's just one of the companies. I've got a few other ones that I'm working on as well. Well, and, and to your statement of that people know it's a lot of work, they just don't want to put in the work. I'm going to challenge that only just a little bit, only reason because I knew there was a lot of work, but I didn't understand how much work that actually was. 
until I got in the game, right? And then you're like, holy shit, this is serious. You know, um, when people talk about, you know, the, the long days and, you know, you're always working those type of things, those are real until you get the processes in place. And I'm just now getting to the point where I'm getting the processes in place. So I'm not the one doing all the stuff, but the, the level of work and, you know, national sales guy awards, all kinds of things, you know, over my career, I, I worked my ass off a lot of my career. But not until I opened my own company did I realize that I didn't really work for shit. I mean, I was—I I almost looked at my past careers as lazy as hell compared to the level of work that I put in now. You know, it's—it's uh, it's really wild. So I think it's a lot of people they have the idea how much work it is, but once you get in, you really figure out what you're made of really quick. When the entire your entire world is dependent on you, no matter what. Well, the, the main problem for new entrepreneurs or people who would want to create their own business is they're, they're, they've got the, 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 uh, the squirrel syndrome is what I call mm -hmm. it. They're always looking at the shiny objects. And if you get on social media, you're looking at all these trying to, people trying to sell you apps and funnels and you know, sales marketing things and like all these different programs. And you're like, holy shit. And you start to think that you need all that crap to, to start your business or have a successful business. But what you find is that all those are just magic bullets that really hit no targets because a lot of times they're the tools that they're selling you, but they don't tell you how to apply those tools. Mm -hmm. So you have to go spend more time to learn from somebody else. So if you're actually out there wanting to start a legit business, find a business coach or, or business mentor who has achieved what you want to achieve and work with them. That'd be the fastest shortcut that I can ever recommend to somebody because you're going to look at it. You know, I charge between a thousand and 1500 a month. And some people are listening like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. But if I can teach you things that are going to make you five to $10,000, like you got to think about in terms of a business mindset, we think in terms of return on investment, the ROI, mm -hmm. where normal people fixate on price. They like a price, like cost and price is all they fixate on, but they don't think about investment. So, you know, when you invest, you know, $60,000 into a college degree, it sounds like a lot of money until you look over the lifespan of your, your 40 year career and you've made millions and millions of dollars extra over somebody who didn't invest that much money. So think about in terms of ROI. And I would say that for business owners, don't start thinking about all these magic bullets. They're going to solve your, your, because it's, it doesn't work. There's nothing like hard work and execution, but when you start to look at a business, there's a lot of tasks. And if you don't have that experience, you're going to be overwhelmed because you're going to think, Oh man, I got to get a website. I've got to build this brand. I've got to do a logo. I've got to create the business structure. I've got to do these processes. I've got to think about pricing. There's a lot of things, but if you don't have somebody helping you, you're not going to know which order to go in. And that's why it's going to mess you up. And it's going to take you a lot longer to get there. No, I, and I love this because, you know, I realized even halfway through six months into my company that, you know, I'd spent my entire career as an employee. Taking that mental shift from an employee to a business owner is is one hell of a, a tough maneuver to make. And thank God, I finally wised up and hired my coaches because uh, you know you don't understand anything unless you get some sort of guide on your journey to to point you in the right damn direction. Um, and it's so funny is is you know I remember when I got my first business coach. Uh, he literally looked at me. Now, I'm a guy that spent my entire career in sales, right? That's what I know. And when I coach people, it's usually in that realm. And uh, he looked at me as my own business owner, running my own company, sales guy all this time. And he looked at me and said, what's your sales process? And I didn't have a freaking answer. I had no clue because I'd been so focused on all the other shit. 
right? The marketing and the social and all that. Dude, as soon as I went back to the grassroots and just went back and just started selling again, it was a game changer. I mean, it, and it's simple things like that, that that coaches do for you is is pull your head out of your ass, point you in the right direction and say, go this way, dummy. <laughs> Yeah, that's a funny thing is that the sales issue that that comes up a lot with the coaching clients that I have and the people in the group. They're like, man, I'm just not comfortable with sales. And and I look at them, I go, do you realize that every business exists to create a transaction? Otherwise, it's not a business, right? It's, it's very simple. If there's no money coming in, there's no business. And it's like, if you're afraid of sales, it's like, I get it. Maybe that's not a skill you have. It's not a talent. We're not born as a salesperson. Correct. We can learn. Anybody can be a salesperson if they're willing to get off their ego and go learn that skill, just like anything. You know, when a year and a half ago, when I was writing my book, I said, I need to become the right person to be able to market this book. And I was not good at public speaking. I knew I could do it, but I was not good at it. I had the palm sweats and the armpit sweats and the body temperature rising and the, you know, the, the, the cotton mouth and all these physiological fear factors. The, the 14 year old kid going through the sex change voice. Boom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all these issues, and I said, I need to get better. And I, I did, you know, most people would be like, Oh no, public speaking. That's just the worst fear of them all. I, I'm just never going to do that. That's how most people think. Well, I'm thinking, well, that's a challenge. I'm going to just step to that challenge. And so I started taking lessons to become a better public speaker. And I went to Toastmasters and I went every single week, put myself in that discomfortable, you know, like zone in the front, volunteered to get up there every single week to do something. And that led to a public speaking career. I had public speaking. It led to the podcast. It led me to be on radio. So there's a lot of things that you can do to teach yourself to learn these skills if you just get off your excuses. So it kind of goes back to what you're talking about, like learn these skills and just do something. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's it. I mean, um, it's fun right now is, is the platforms that I get to be on the stage that I get to be on. I'm like, dude, just go get punched in the damn face by life, man. Because if, if you're not willing to step into it and, and look straight at whatever scaring up your living shit out of you and just step and move towards that, then get out of the game because you're not going to evolve. And you know, the person that they are right now is not the person I need to become to get where they want to go. You know, so I'm really enjoying the fact that that you've taken this leap and now you're helping people because I run across a lot of coaches that are coaches, but they've never really done anything. They've never really accomplished anything. So they're they're teaching theories or they're teaching somebody else's stuff. I love the fact that you're actually teaching, you know, what you've been through and what you've done. You know, because there's real tangible processes and things you can teach people along those lines. Did you always want to be a coach? I mean, is that something you were aiming towards or did you just kind of fall into it? I would say even at an early age, I've always taken the mentorship roles in anything I was doing. Even when I was flipping burgers at McDonald's, I was willing to teach other people how to do things better. And just, you know, just I've always been that personality. Even when I was in college, I was substitute teaching at local high schools to earn extra money. So it's kind of natural, even through my, my corporate career, I've always been taking the younger engineers and, and people to, to just really take them under my wing and help them up and do these things. And, and, and along the business ownership side, I've always helped people within my circle and referrals of their friends, like to help them with their businesses to scale those up. So it kind of became this natural progression. But here's the thing, when I decided, you know what, I'm actually going to start being a, a legit coach and I put myself out there about middle of 2017 is when I actually started being more vocal about it because before then 
everybody just knew me as this, this crazy car guy that owned companies, but I wasn't like publicly teaching things or sharing business knowledge. I was just sharing my life. Right. And I, I got some haters. I got some critics, people that I actually thought were friends were like talking shit and they were saying, <laughs> oh, you, you think you're Tony Robbins and like, what is all this motivational crap? And, and I was like, you know what, this is the stuff that I've always believed in. I just didn't like, I wasn't willing to share that until now. So you're going to either take it or go away basically. Cause I'm not going to change. And that's well, how it is. I just basically show that consistency, but the, the coaching thing, here's the funny thing, guy, you know, Donnie, I, I bought a, a business coaching program that kind of was like a white label where you can, you know, they give you all these templates and things and, and <laughs> you know, and if you want to use that, you can use that to coach your clients. Cause I, I was new to this coaching that, Hey, I wanted this legit program that you know, was popular. And I started reading this stuff and I think I made it through like, you know, the first two sections, I said, this is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's because what they were telling me, they stressed very much in the beginning parts of this process was that you cannot like give your opinion. You have to ask questions. So you'll find that most business coaches out there just ask a bunch of questions because they want you to arrive at the answer yourself because these processes are written for somebody, like you said, has never done anything. Right. right. And so they're just like, well, Donnie, um, why do you feel that way? I wanted to jump in here and take a second to let our sponsors tell you a little bit about what they do. Guys, do me a favor and check them out. They're really helping this show become what it's becoming. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Point Blank Safety Services does safety differently. We know everyone is on a journey, and we want to make sure you get where you're going safely. Professional, trained, ready. There's really no comparison. Here's why hiring Point Blank Safety for your next project will make all the difference and save you huge amounts of stress and hassle. Point Blank Safety Services provides certified, uniformed police officers for a full suite of armed guard services. Don't leave the safety of your project to chance. If you're ready to make sure safety truly comes first for your next project, then visit us at pointblanksafety.com. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. And now back to the show. What, what, it's all, it's, it's the W questions. Who, what, where, yeah. why, you know, so they're trained on that process of just asking questions to hope you arrive at that answer. And they're like, wow, that sounds like a great answer. Right. So after reading that, it's like, this is a bunch of bullshit. It's like, I don't want anything to do with this. It's like, so that's why I call myself a business mentor because I've actually done it. And I want to give people opinions that are going to get them to a lot of different places rather than just asking them a bunch of silly questions. Yeah, no, I love that. And you know, I'm, I'm a kind of 50 50 on that process when I'm coaching a lot of times only because um, there's things that I know that are absolute fact that if you do these behaviors, especially on the sales side of things, if you do this, it leads to this, it leads to this, it leads to this winch loss repeat, right? I mean, that's, that's set in stone. Um, but there are, you know, some aspects and you know, this the mental game and everything else that people got to mm -hmm. overcome, you know, then you get in the who, what, why, where, but I often find that your can programs are, are joking yourself because most people that are buying the CAM programs 
you know, they don't know how to do it themselves. So they're looking for some other process to, to do it. And this is coming from a guy, dude, I sold Sandler training, which I love for seven and a half years. And, you know, I did it as a sales guy, but it gave me a process to teach others the sales thing. Now I know that I, I love that experience and, that, and what I went through in that process. But now that I'm split off from that, I, you know, it's one of those things I realized I was only teaching one way to sell. And there's so many different variables, you know, to that. And if somebody doesn't have a process whatsoever, Sandler's a great methodology. Yeah. But, man, if you're, you're going to go and actually adapt to a ton of other people and everything else – then, then you've got to be able to groove and move in that one singular process, whether it's Sandler, Challenger, you name the process, is not going to fit every case and every scenario and every personality type, you know. Um, so I love the fact that, that, that you're now out and I, and I love this whole mentor concept because I think a lot of people struggle with the thought of a mentor. They're like, how do I find one? How do I get one? What do I pay for it? You know, all this. So I love that you're kind of changing that, that dynamics. Um, but you also said you had some sort of group. Tell me about the group. So on the Facebook group right now, we have a group. If you want to go search it, it's called the 365 Driven Entrepreneurs. There's about 2,500 business owners in there. I started the group actually in December last year. So just over a year now, we're in January filming, you know, recording this, but you know, basically I started it with about 40 people and it became the originally the, the support group for the book that I was writing, you know, side hustle millionaire. And I said, if you guys like the value that I'm sharing in here and, and these collaborations that are you seeing going, just invite a couple of your business owner friends. So basically it grew organically from people just referring people from their own network. You know, I'm only friends with about 500 people out of that 2,500 in there. So it kind of shows you that if people find the value we keep it small. We keep it quality versus quantity because I don't want 50,000 just, you know, jerks in there and just promoing themselves. So right. it, what, what I've really enjoyed is watching people that I know that are diehard competitors on the open arena. They're, they're collaborating and helping each other inside my group. That's awesome. You know, that's the kind of positive growth mindsets that we want to have and build that culture. So that kind of goes back to the brand, you know, 365 Driven is my coaching brand. And I'm building a, more of an online hub network for influencers and coaching and businesses because I want to build a giant society of business owners and entrepreneurs where they can go find their education, where they can network and have the collaborations and, and feel like they're actually part of this community. And, and when you go travel, a lot of us did a lot of traveling in our corporate careers or our business careers. Like it'd really be cool to be able to go, hey, I'm going to Chicago next week. Let's meet up and do a 365 driven meetup for dinner or whatever that's the kind of thing that I think is missing in the entrepreneur fit space because you have a lot of people out there who are kind of like me that only want people in their camp. And so right. they're not willing to bring in people like you, Donnie, to go, Hey, come join this thing, build your own brand within my brand, but let's have this, this network of, you know, like-minded people who are being constructive. So rather than someone having to go around and spend, you know, you know, 1997 on a program from this guy and then this person and this lady, like, and having all these all la carte stuff, it's like, I'm just going to have it all in one umbrella, like a membership and we're going to build this. And I'm only about a year into it and it's growing pretty big. So understand that that's just, there's just, I've seen this, this missing void that people want to be a part of something like that. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. You know, it's interesting is, you know, like 1 million cups is a huge entrepreneur, you know, organization and I've, and I've enjoyed hanging out with them just because once you get around a bunch of entrepreneurs, you know, things happen, but you, you're, you're right is in the social space. There's a lot of, I don't know, gurus that want to sell 
and these packages and everything else. And, and it's fun that you're taking it on from a collaboration standpoint of, dude, you know, uh, I've got knowledge, you've got knowledge. Let's all throw it on the table and watch this whole thing rise. Um, because I can tell you until I started my own company, I would have been a guru until I started getting in this game and realized, holy shit, there's a lot that I have no clue about, <laughs> you know, but my ego, uh, wasn't going to allow me to, to get there. Um, and I think I, I'm, I'm continue to learn that process. And it's a lot that I talked about, you know, with a lot of people that I coach, you know, you know, through this. And the, the ego thing though, that's, that's what most people use to hold them back from finding that mentor. You know, the, the question you ask is how, how do people find mentors and things like that? And actually, even mention it on my website because that's how most of us are when we're alpha type person or we're independent, things like that. We like to, you know, have this charade that we're self-made, right? And a lot of us hear that. <laughs> and the thing is like, you hate as anyone that's listening to this podcast, they probably are the same people like you and I, we hate asking for help, right? We just hate that. We're like, we don't want to feel helpless. And so our ego is what gets in our way. We're thinking like, Oh, we don't want to ask for help. I'll just read this book and I'll just watch this guy's video and learn on my own. And right. You know, and, and that's, that's fine. You can probably absorb 70% of that knowledge if you know how to apply it to what you're working on. But for the most case, most people cannot do that. And they just let that ego get in their way. And that's what keeps their, their process and their progress from, uh, you know, going up. It's just, you got to get past that ego, ask for help because I'll guarantee all the mentors out there, We've had mentors. I still have mentors. I still have paid mentors. And if your mentor doesn't have that, then you probably should be like concerned because they're not investing in themselves. So how are you going to invest in this person? Yeah, that's, I tell everybody um, all the time, like, look, okay, if you're going to hire a coach, the first question you ask a coach is who's their coach. And it's so funny to me how many coaches I've run across that don't have a coach. I'm like, wait, you're coaching people, but you don't have a coach. If you don't have a coach, that means you don't believe in coaching. So why are you coaching in the first place? And the same thing for mentors. You know, um, it's just an interesting thing is I'm finding more and more that a lot of people want to give knowledge, but they don't want to receive knowledge, right? They, they want dangerous. To, That's dangerous, yeah. man. When they, when they think they know it all, then you don't want to know anything from that person. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, which – and. You know, the same token is in this day and age with, with social technologies and everything else, man, if their story, their real story is not out there, then, then they're putting out so many false fronts. You know, if, if there's not a video out there somewhere where they talk about something, they blew the fuck up and, you know, and, and it shredded and went to hell in a handbasket, man, I would challenge whether they've actually gone for it and done anything. You know, um, and you know, with, with anything, when you look for a coach, a mentor, or anything, man, do your due diligence on it and, and really put it through the paces. Don't buy just because of the emotional state you're in when you sat across from at one point, you know, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen in this game and it's, and it's surprising every freaking day. What do you think all this is going to take you, dude? You've had a fun ride. You've had a fun journey and you've got a lot of cool things going on. You know, where do you think this is all going to take you? Are you going to be that next Tony Robbins type guy or, or, you know, you're going to be the next Tony Watley that, that, you know, is just riding this thing for as long as it'll go. I think I've done a good job of building my personal brand, especially on online space. You know, cause we started, like I said, we talked about the forums, you know, before I had one, I, I was very, you know, contributing person on all the different forums. 
So that's one thing that's a great benefit. You know, like you said, go do your due diligence. Like, please go Google me. You'll find me going back 20 years. I've been in a bunch of magazines, built a bunch of project cars. I talk about businesses and things like that. So I'm, Google has me down. If you're an SEO guy, I don't need you because everybody knows <laughs> you can go find me. I'm, I'm Google authorized now after writing that book. You can go look at my name and I've got the little picture pops up and says author and all that thing. Nice. So I'm like, I'm Google verified. So it cracks me up. But, uh, so where is this going, man? I, I really just removed any limits. I used to have self-limiting, you know, I grew up lower middle class and I used to think, you know, if I made a hundred thousand dollars, I'd be like successful. Right. And then I'm, you know, I was like, Oh wow, I'm here, but I don't really feel successful. I mean, everybody around me telling me that a hundred thousand dollars is successful. Like, is this really it? And you know, I was like, I think I can do more. And so I said, okay, I want to make 150,000. And then I hit that and I go, wow, I still don't feel successful. Then 200 and then 300, then 400. And you start to realize that when you start to collaborate and talk to other people who are highly successful, you realize that they never feel like they've made it. Mm. It's like, you. It, so if you're chasing a dollar value to think that you're going to feel like you made it, if you're the kind of person like I am, and I know you are Donnie, that you're never going to feel like you made it because you always think you have more to give. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the thing that I would like to teach people is like, that's a great feeling to have. If you never find your potential, that's a great feeling to have because I think if you found your potential, you'd be pretty damn bored. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, if you knew that you were capped out, it's kind of like when you get to that glass ceiling in your corporate job, like you're pretty bored because you're at cruise control. You're like, you know that you can do your job really well. You're executing it really easy. You're probably screwing off half the day because you could do half your job and you know, before lunchtime and you're making multiple six figures and it's just easy. You don't have any stress at that point. You're like, well, you know, that sucks for somebody that really wants to take on challenge and get better and improve that that situation really sucks. So it's not being ungrateful. It's just realizing that you have a lot more potential. And that's why I started creating businesses because I needed that outlet. So no limits, man. I, I think, uh, you know, I would love to have Tony Robbins at some point sitting in my front row. Right. <laughs> so there's, there's no limits because there's people out there who have achieved everything that you dream of currently. So, you know, it's possible. Like right. they didn't, none of those people thought they would reach that level. It's just, they didn't remove, they had no limits. They said, you know what? You know, I want, I want $10 million. Like that's a limit. It's still a limit. It's a, it's a good limit, but it's still a limit. But if you don't set any financial goals, you just basically go what you need to do, keep executing. Things can happen for you. And I think nowadays, especially with social media, you know, with YouTube and podcasting, there's so many more opportunities now to become what, you know, digitally famous or have a big audience. I mean, there's a bunch of multi, multi-millionaires out there that people don't even know. I mean, like, like even some of the, the best-selling authors, like if they walk past you or sat at the table next to you in the restaurant, you wouldn't recognize them, but they're right. multi-millionaires. So there's a lot of different opportunities. And now that the internet has basically created distribution channels for you and your content that you don't have to have a, a publisher. You don't have to have a TV network, you know, broadcasting your show. You can go to YouTube and have your own channel. Yep. So now that we've kind of gotten away from all the distribution hurdles, like the only excuse you have nowadays is you. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's funny that there is no barrier to entry, you know, in this day and age, it's, it, it's, it's literally insane what you can do. The the only thing caution that I would put on anybody whatsoever is make sure you have something you're tangibly selling, right? You know, um, 
there's a lot of these Instagram millionaires that, you know, they have these followings and, you know, they, whatnot that, you know, eventually that's going to come back and bite them in the ass because oh, yeah. they have no tangible assets that they're legitimately selling. And when Instagram goes away someday, which it will, it will, you know, you know or, or they'll lock it down so much, just like Facebook business pages where the reach doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Right. There's, there's no point to them, you know, <laughs> um, uh, then, then they're going to lose it all, you know? So, so just make sure you're building a legitimate business of some sort, you know? So this is awesome, brother. I, I really appreciate it. Um, how do people find you? I know you said the group, um, but how do they reach out to you if they wanted to get in touch, send an email, tweet at you, Twit, whatever it's called anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't even like Twitter anymore. I quit using it a couple of years ago just because it was kind of annoying. But yeah, yeah. if you wanted to reach me, uh, my website is 365driven.com. So 365driven.com. And from there, you'll be able to find all the links to my Instagram, my Facebook pages, the group, the book that I wrote, you know, and, and there's just all that's nice one little link. It keeps it easy for you to remember. Absolutely. And you're pretty active on LinkedIn too, because that's where I, you and I found each other. So, so that's awesome. Well, brother, I really, really appreciate this. Here's how I like to wrap up every show. And I do stump some people. So, so stand by for that. All right. <laughs> if you were going to leave the champions that listen to the show with a phrase, a quote, a mantra, a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. I'll use the quote that I put in the very back of my book that I come up with myself. It's called fear and confidence are both imaginary. You simply decide which one to live with. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Tony, man, appreciate you brother really coming on to this. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for letting us uh, go along with the ride on your journey. Thanks, Donnie. I enjoyed being on your show. content for your company and you're struggling to figure out what should I put out there how should I put it out there or you know what can I do to make my company get more exposure on social media go check out successchampions.us you know because of the podcast boom several people are really looking in to launch their own podcast their own shows so they can get their own message out there well why don't you come hang out with us? We've got a, a Facebook group called So You Want a Podcast. And, you know, just go to Facebook, type in So A Comma You Want to Podcast, and come hang out with a bunch of us as, as I teach everything that I've learned on my journey to running a successful, profitable show. So check us out. So You Want a Podcast. Looking forward to seeing you there. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success 
because that's what it means to be a success champion.